Welcome. I'm Paul Bishop, your host for this installment of Six Gun Justice Conversations. These are bonus downloads where my co-host Richard Prosher and I get to hang around the virtual Six Gun Justice podcast water cooler, talking with friends and fellow writers who are also fans of the Western genre. With me today are Robert Dwyer and Austin Wright, co-authors of the debut novel The Sheriff from Two Dot Publishing. Austin started watching John Wayne movies with his dad before he was old enough to talk, and he's been hooked on westerns ever since. He lives with his wife and son and daughter in Annandale, Virginia. Robert is a history buff with an abiding interest in the West, which looms large in the American psyche, a canvas for big stories and big ideas. He lives with his wife and dog in Alexandria, Virginia. Howdy, guys. Great to have you on the podcast. Thank you for having us. We're excited to be here. This is your debut Western, is it not? Our debut novel, actually. Rob and I have been writing together since we met in 2001 in high school, and this is the first time we're actually going to have something published, so we're very excited. Wow. Congratulations. That's super. Thank you. What was the thing that drew you guys together? I think movie scripts initially. We were big fans of Quentin Tarantino. Obviously, Westerns had a big influence on him. We enjoyed Westerns in our own right. We had a couple bad screenplays under our belts, casino heist kind of things and Tarantino knockoffs. And then, I don't know, over the years, just kind of finally found our voice a little bit and maybe had to get a few years under our belt before we actually had something to write about. How did you guys manage to keep your connection from high school through now being married? Austin having a daughter and Robert having a dog. (laughs) (laughs) We became very good friends in high school. In 2001, our school system outside of Richmond launched a program to equip every student with a laptop. And Rob and I met that year and we both aspired to write novels And we put our slick new iBooks to work pretty quick, writing stuff together when we were supposed to be taking notes in class. I think we just kind of started swapping stories back and forth. And it became clear pretty quickly that we had complementary skills and a natural partnership formed. We went to different colleges, then both ended up moving to Northern Virginia after college and have just continued to write together ever since and have really enjoyed it. You guys live about 45 minutes apart? 20, 25 minutes. You get together in person on the weekends. Pre-COVID, we would go to a coffee shop once a week and sit there for a few hours and drink coffee and write. And, and that was always one of the highlights after a long work week. Definitely ideas simmer better in person. COVID has definitely had an impact on the creative community when you can't take your laptop to a Starbucks. What's the world coming to? Exactly. Austin, what were your earliest influences with the Western? We both started watching Westerns with our dads, mostly John Wayne movies. I've seen just about every John Wayne movie. My favorite as a kid was definitely The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance. Absolutely loved that movie. The performances are just incredible. That was the movie really made clear to both of us that you can use a small town and small town politics as a microcosm for exploring really big themes. That's what we tried to do in our own novel. When did you decide a Western novel was the right thing for you, Robert? It was probably when Austin first sent me the outline he had in mind for The Sheriff. 
I was frankly a little hesitant to get into the genre because I thought debut novel, let's do something easy that they're publishing everywhere all the time. But I was just really taken aback by the intricacy of the concept, mostly about how many parallels there are in some of our historical events today and some of the changes that were rocking the West in that time. That backdrop, I just felt was really powerful. And it became pretty clear to me then it was time to figure out how to write this Western. Austin, you took a big risk, though, coming up with a character who is terminal cancer. Most beginning novelists will say, I want to create a series character that can go on. There really is a finite time for your main character. What made you feel comfortable doing that? It was inspired, of course, by The Shootist, which is one of our favorite Westerns and probably John Wayne's finest performance, in my opinion. But I think our original conception was to center it around a sheriff of a small town who has ruled this town with an iron fist and is clinging to power and unwilling to make way for the new generation, even as cancer consumes his body. As we were putting together our second draft, both Rob and I were reading the Game of Thrones books at that time and just absolutely obsessed with those books. And we decided to fill out our story with lots, a bunch more point of view characters, which we think has made it a lot more interesting, including some characters that are at the bottom rungs of the social structure and really explore the idea of, does this quintessential Western hero, the lawman, does he still look like a hero when viewed through the eyes of the people at the bottom of the power structure? And I think in doing that, we've hopefully come up with some very intriguing and memorable characters who could allow this series to go on if we decide to continue writing it. Robert, you made a deal with the devil, or at least your character did, by aligning himself with Christian prohibitionists. So you've got this fanatical, hardcore group who is really behind him. How did you resolve that with your main character? Does he battle against this? Does he feel confined by this? Or is he politically in line with them? It's a great question. And I don't think John Donovan knows the answer himself. It is political calculus that gets him involved with them initially. He sees them as much as, in particular, the reverend as as much a threat to his political power as a boon to it. And that's something mirrored in several of the other relationships in the book. And John's sole ambition is clearly to hold on to this town that he built, even in the face of these tides of sweeping social change. And that's really played out in the microcosm here in this town and in these interpersonal relationships. Austin, were you thinking ahead when you set up this basically moralistic society versus the business society? Are they both good or are they both bad or are they both a combination? The idea definitely was to explore that tension. Both Rob and I had some ideas of the way we wanted to go in terms of good or bad. We're both very aligned and always wanting to put entertainment first. This story is designed to be entertaining before it is designed to make any kind of statement about good or bad in, in any way. But still, those themes come through. And I think we were trying to draw attention there and really explore some themes that are still impacting our country today in terms of rural versus urban, industrial society, the movement toward industrialization and, and what that did to rural society and the divide that we continue to see in our country. And that's some of the parallels that you really draw in this book. You have your religious fundamentalists, be they Christian, Muslim, or anything else. 
Then you have the power structure of money is the God. Then there's this group of people who are truly caught in the middle. Is that the dynamic that you were really working towards ahead of time? Or did this evolve as the story went on? It evolved as the story went on. As Austin mentioned, that first draft focused really heavily on the sheriff and was a character piece about him. And as we introduced more characters and that cast became richer, we just felt like to write these characters, we have to really understand their motivations. And I hope that the conflict in the book comes across as conflict that arises organically from these different characters with different intents, different wills, different visions, none of them purely good or bad in any way. But as you say, inhabiting this different areas on this spectrum, and it's just natural that they collide. And we try to show that with the plot, the setting, and the last chapter chapter in which all of these forces come to a head in one epic showdown. What you did was very smart in that you don't just take the religious fundamentalists and the business people. That would have been a boring thing, and it would have been more of a political statement that you were trying to make. But as you said, you wanted to do entertainment. And so by bringing in the unknown aspect of a group of outlaws coming to town, that affects both of those segments by what happens when these outlaws arrive. Donovan, the sheriff, has to be able to deal with those outlaws in order to protect all of the town. Robert said something interesting about first drafts. How many drafts of this did you go through? It felt like probably a thousand. That's why it took us seven years to write it. Really, that's our process is just rewriting and rewriting. But in terms of the outlaws, we've made it pretty clear this novel was designed to pay loving homage to the Westerns we loved as kids while also modernizing those Westerns. That concept came to us and was inspired by the movie High Noon. Part of the original conception was to have the internal politics of the town playing out while you also had this exterior force, the outlaw gang, bearing down on them. You guys said you started out together writing screenplays and that your big influence was Western movies and Quentin Tarantino. Did you read Western novels or is it just that this was the best way for you to get your story across? It's a little bit of everything. We definitely do and have read Westerns. Everyone's read The Virginian as the entree to the genre. At least that was my experience. I love Cormac McCarthy and, and all of his work. You pick up some great little Westerns. Recently read The Oxbow Incident. It's maybe a little lesser known, but just tells a wonderful story. So certainly have read lots of Western novels. We were certainly influenced by Western movies and really just this idea of a cinematic feel, both in the depth of the characters and in the setting. The setting almost becomes a character in and of itself in these books. In that way, movies had a big impact. We just felt like this was the right and maybe really the only way to tell some of the stories we wanted to tell, to ask some of the questions that we wanted to ask is in this setting where you've stripped away a lot of these higher level social structures, no big government, not even really big industry. It's a small town. It's person to person interaction. It's competing wills in that almost void. I love the Western for its ability to tell those kinds of stories about individuals. Did you think at all about the commercial side of getting published when you began writing, or did you wait until you were finished with the book to think about what are we going to do with this now? What was in your mind at the time? We put very little thought into the commercial side when we embarked on this project. We had never submitted any of our work for publication, so we had no idea what to expect or how the commercial side worked. 
as we got into our later drafts and it was really dawning on us that we had written something we felt was worthy of publication and that we were going to go down that path, we started researching. And of course, when we began trying to find an agent, that's where it really dawned on us how difficult this genre is. We probably sent our manuscript to two dozen agents and a number of them responded with some version of, you just can't sell a Western in today's market. I'm sorry. Let me just interrupt you there because this concept that you can't sell a Western in this market today that so many agents have, and it's just patently false. Signet last year published over 40 Westerns. Kensington published almost 60. Wolfpack published over 60. That's a lot of new Westerns that are coming out, and that doesn't even take into account the number that are being independently published on the internet. And they're selling. Major publishing companies would not be bringing out Westerns if they weren't selling. Did you guys eventually land an agent? We did. We ended up getting extraordinarily lucky. One of the agents that we sent the novel to, she took a look at it and sent us a note back saying, while she doesn't represent Westerns, she liked our first chapter and knows someone who does. She ended up putting us in touch with a more niche agent who has done this genre before. His name is Bob Schumann of the Merit Literary Agency. He ended up just being absolutely fantastic. He gave us quite a bit of really good editorial guidance, including making the novel sparer, tighter, and tougher, which we took to heart. And then he was the one who ended up getting us the deal with Two Dot. You had an agent who was interested, and he gave you input. Now you have to face the daunting prospect, okay, we got to do rewrites on this thing. How did that feel? Were you okay with that? Were you excited a little bit of all of the above, but certainly the first advice we got was that we needed to cut out 50,000 words. We had a 150,000 word manuscript. We know now the rule is don't go above 100. So that was a pretty significant chop job we had to go through. And it was incredible advice. And the book is much sparer, tighter, tougher. It was good advice. It was hard. It gives you a little insight into the nature of how Austin and I co-write as well, is that Austin focuses a lot on the big picture, on plot and character development. And I, I really focus on the smaller picture, on making every chapter, every page, to try to have something interesting from a, a writing perspective or a character perspective. Usually that works really well, but when it comes time to cut, sometimes that's where the conflict arises because I'll have written a paragraph I think is wonderful. And Austin says, this doesn't really move the plot along. We got to cut up 50,000 words, but let's get rid of this whole scene. And sometimes I have to take a walk around the block and come back before I'm ready to hear that input. But it's always made it better. When you got done cutting a third of your novel, what did you learn you would apply to the next novel? It really solidified for us that if we want to write commercially and work with big publishers, that we need to have our material as crisp and tight as we can possibly make it before we start putting it out there. But it was hard, and we did end up having to cut a lot of the character's backstory. Ultimately, I think the novel is better for having done these cuts, but it's one of those things, like Rob, I had to do a lot of walks around the block to reckon with the fact that we were cutting things I liked. But definitely, it was an incredible learning process. And I also think that trust in your editor and trust in your agent, people that know the business, because it ultimately made the book better and definitely more commercial after we were done with that process. Congratulations. You've got an agent and goodness gracious, you got to deal with a publisher. How did that come about? Do you know how many publishers the agent went to or was this the first one he contacted? 
I believe he went to maybe five and two dot was in that first round of publishers he contacted. Two Dot mostly does Western nonfiction, but at the time that we got the deal with them, they were looking to get into Western fiction. Book comes out April 15th. What are you looking forward to? The author's copies have arrived. Even after having seen cover design on the computer screen and page layouts, nothing compares to seeing the actual physical book. What I really can't wait for is to walk into a bookstore and see it on the shelf. I've always just held that up as a dream. One day you walk into a bookstore, your book's just waiting there. I might have to call the bookstore to ask them to stock it around here, but either way, I'm going to get that experience. We have actually gotten an enormous amount of support from the Western Writers of America. Chris Enns, she's been absolutely fantastic in terms of giving us some of her hard-earned wisdom in terms of how to promote a book. So we've definitely taken a lot of lessons from her. She doesn't hesitate to be very blunt with us about what you can expect and how hard you have to work in order to market your novel. We're doing a lot of different things to try to get the word out there. We've got maybe three or four different reviewers who are looking at it. We're looking forward to reading what they have to say about it. We've also had some success with Facebook advertising, which has been good for driving some traffic to our Amazon page. How many of those people are actually buying the book? We don't know, but we have been able to drive some traffic there. So that's been really good. What's next? You've written a book, you've had it published, and there's this big relief and this big weight off of your shoulders. Now, all of a sudden, what do we do next is the big question. What do you guys have planned? We're actually working on a contemporary murder mystery that we've been working on since 2018. We're probably in the thousands draft at this point. But I think we've gotten to that really fun and magical moment where we feel like all the plot and character motivations are sound. And we're able to focus on kind of the higher level fun stuff like uh, voice and themes and foreshadowing. So we're hoping to finish that up this year and get that out there. And we've also outlined a sequel to The Sheriff, so that may become a reality at some point. Congratulations again, guys. It's been great to have you on the podcast. Best of luck with The Sheriff when it comes out on April 15th. Thank you so much, Paul. This has been great. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for listening. Be sure to check out the Six Gun Justice website at www.sixgunjustice.com for information on prior Six Gun Justice conversations, Six Gun Justice speed listens, and full-length episodes of the Six Gun Justice podcast, along with regularly updated book reviews, articles, and interviews covering all aspects of the Western genre. Until next time, be kind to others, be kind to yourself, and live the cowboy code. Adios! We're out of here. Let's ride.